Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store. Just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Um, the word so we are continuing in the book of Acts this morning. Uh, we have been in this series for a while, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open to the book of Acts. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. Um, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles under the seats uh, that you are sitting on. It's kind of like an airplane. There are exits located here, and that's pretty much it. Um, and uh, there will be no lights, but if you reach underneath you in case of Bible, there will be one. Please open it, uh, and we will read from God's Word together this morning. Acts. We'll be in chapter 6 this morning, um, and uh, I'm going to read it all in one fell swoop. It's only seven verses, so don't panic. And then we will read through it chunk by chunk as we go through this morning. So as you find Acts chapter 6, would you stand for the reading of God's word, and then uh, we will hear from the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you uh, that you have placed us in the book of Acts to learn about a church that is growing as we happen to be growing. And Lord, I give you glory for the ways that you are working in our lives, in our church, in our community, and not just this church, but the churches across Ketchikan that are praising you uh, in the same spirit we are this morning. We pray that all the churches who worship you in Ketchikan, in Alaska, in the United States, in the world, uh, would be filled with your Holy Spirit today, and that lives would be changed because of it as we submit to your word together, one church, globally, we give you praise and honor for that. This morning as we read from your word, would you teach us uh, the ways in which you would have us administer your church? Would you convict us of sin and would you call us to repentance? Would you help us live a life that pleases you? We give you all the glory for what you've done and what you're doing and what you will do. And all God's children said, Amen. All right, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now in these days... First off, these days were the days of the disciples who were being arrested and preaching the name of Jesus, even though they were not uh, supposed to, according to the Pharisees and the rulers, and lots of people were being healed, and it was wonderful. So in those days of miraculous good things, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. So therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permenid, and I need glasses, <laughs> Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to faith. This is the word of the Lord for you this morning. You may be seated. Six verses. This is a fantastic six verses. 
I, uh, I titled it The Magnificent Seven because uh, we're going to deal with uh, the, the seven folks that were chosen for service. But we're going to start at the very beginning. Oh no! Did any of you catch the oh no in this passage? Some of you are like, yeah, some of you are like, oh no, I didn't. Okay. So uh, read chapter, read verse one with me in, in, in your Bibles. It says, In these days, they were increasing in great number. This is good, right? This is not an oh no. To increase in great number, fantastic. We want to do that. But a complaint arose. Now, um, it arose by the Hellenists, which are Greek Jews, okay? Or, um, and it arose against the Hebrew Jews because the Greek widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. This is the problem that existed in the church. All these people love Jesus. Greek Jews and Hebrew Jews were totally different. They were from different parts of the world, obviously, like Greek, Hebrew, Cape, different um, parts of the world. Um, Greek Jews were born and raised in foreign countries. They spoke Greek, right? Okay. And Hebraic Jews were born and raised in the Jewish homeland, and they spoke Aramaic. And apart from Christ, those two groups of people struggled with one another because the Hebraic Jews believed we're from the national homeland, we speak Aramaic, we are God's people, but the Greek Jews over here are not because they are in the foreign lands and they speak Greek, and so they're slightly less than us good Jews over here, right? Okay, so we have this dichotomy, and then Jesus comes into the world, and he's like, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Y'all are just one people in me, and so love one another. But then, when the church is growing and multiplying and increasing in number, a complaint came about in the church. And the complaint was, um, guys, all of the Greek widows are being neglected. Your Hebrew widows, they're being taken care of. They're being fed every day. You know, they're being cared for. They're being looked after. But all of the Greek widows are being ignored in the distribution of food. Do you want to know what this is? This is racism. This is, um, let's just call it what it is in Scripture. This is a significant issue in the early church, an issue that could have split the church in half, divided the kingdom of God again, and they had a serious oh no moment. Wasn't the kingdom of God supposed to be united? Wasn't the kingdom of God supposed to ignore race and um, past experiences and culture and language for the sake of the gospel? And all of that was supposed to come together and glorify God so Greeks could worship in Greek and Hebrews could worship in Aramaic, and it was supposed to be this beautiful thing. But somehow, in all of that and in all of the growth, it just so happens one people group and only one people group was being ignored and their needs weren't being met. So in the modern-day context, it would probably go something like this. Um, the disciples would be sitting in their office, right? They'd be working on emails. They'd be trying to figure out how to compellingly tell the gospel to a mass number of people. They'd be feeding out Instagram feeds and Twitter feeds, right? They'd be doing their thing. And then they would get a phone call that would come from the Greek population of their church. And they would say, hey, um, guys, uh, we sense some racism here. Our people are not being taken care of. This is a significant issue to the cause of Christ. What are we going to do about it? Okay. And then they must have sat there among the 12 of them going, uh, okay, this is a significant issue. This is a problem in the church. 
Um, we are supposed to be breaking down cultural barriers, and yet in the process, we've actually um, ignored people whom we are called to love. A significant problem in the early church. So here's what happens. Um, if you continue reading the, the next couple verses, it says the 12 left their office, right? They put their uh, Twitter feeds aside, and they said, we've got to deal with this. So they gathered together the full number of the disciples, it says in scripture, um, the full number of the disciples, and they said, listen, uh, guys, it's not right that we should give up preaching uh, to wait tables, uh, because what was being ignored was a food need. There were, there were uh, two ways that widows' needs were met in Jewish law, and one was a daily food basket, and one was a, a weekly food basket. It, it was called uh, bowls and baskets, uh, literally, in the original language. There was a bowl, and you would receive from that daily, and there was a basket, and you would receive from that weekly, and it was the way that you would take care of the widows, so that daily needs were met, but also greater needs were being met across the board. And they said, hey, you know, the bowls and the baskets are not reaching the Greek widows. We need to do something about this, but we can't stop preaching and teaching because we are called to preach and teach, but this has to get taken care of. So, um... Why don't you, the congregation, you, the disciples, why don't you pick seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of God and wisdom, and then we will appoint them to the duty of making sure that the needs are being met, that this problem gets solved, and we will continue to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose the seven. Now, um, the weight of leading the church in this time fell to the 12. These were the 12 that walked with Jesus, except for the one who was brought in slightly after the fact. But these were the folks that walked with Jesus, that talked with Jesus, that hung out with Jesus, that um, they, they were there when he was arrested. They were there at the Last Supper. They saw great things that Jesus did, private and public. And now they are leading this kingdom-building exercise. And the problem comes up. And they say, we can't stop doing what God has told us to do. Christ told us to preach his name. We can't stop doing that. They've arrested us. We still didn't stop. An angel broke us out of jail. That happened in chapter 5. I didn't get to preach that last week. Cool story. Read it. Um, and, uh, and they said, no, not even jail is going to stop us from preaching Jesus. They flogged us. No, that's cool. We'll, Steve, we'll Steve keep on doing what we're called to do, but we still have to meet the needs of the church. We still have to meet the needs of the community. So why don't you all, and, and I think if my math is right, the gathered number was between 20 and 25,000 people. Okay? So they gathered the people, and they said, why don't you all find some people from among yourself that you trust, that you know are full of the Holy Spirit, that serve faithfully, that you look at and you go, these are the guys we want to follow. These are the guys we want to lead us. These are the ones that are going to help us solve this problem because they love Christ so deeply. They see no divide and they're going to help us fix this problem. Leaders who focus on the needs of the church are needed and leaders who preach the gospel are needed because the disciples realized if we step aside from preaching the gospel and focus only on the physical needs, the spiritual will be neglected. But if we only focus on the spiritual, evidently, the physical needs are being neglected. We need both and in the body of Christ. 
Now, I think this is interesting. Um, I was studying up and a, a commentator noticed four things. Four things. I don't math very well. Four things uh, about this passage and this problem. And, and I'm just going to share them with you because they're so good, I'm not even going to try and make them better. Okay? Smarter people than me noticed four things, and I wanted to share them with you because they were good. One, in this moment in time, when there is great cultural tension, and I think in our world we can relate to this idea of cultural tension that is risking dividing the nation, the world, and even the church, okay? In this time of great cultural tension, a massive problem was brought before the leaders of the church, right? And it had the potential to do something devastating. But the first thing that this commentator noted is there was no blaming. Like, this is a revolutionary concept. And if we can wrap our brains around this, life is going to be amazing in the kingdom of God. There was no blaming and there was no defensiveness because they realized problems don't get solved by blaming. Problems get solved when we work together and see a problem as an opportunity for God's work to be done even more among us. So no one in this section of scripture said, hey, this is your fault. Hey, you all did bad. Hey, you, 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 whatever. There was no blaming in this moment. There was, here's a problem. How are we going to fix it? I think that's fascinating. They also acknowledged their limitations. Yeah, we got a problem. Um, man, we really have a big problem. Um, we can't do, the leaders, we just can't do it all. We can't. Literally can't meet the needs of the growing congregation. It's impossible for the 12 of us to do it and still do what we are called to do primarily by Christ. But you want to know what? We, the 12, have a problem, but it's not just us that have the problem. We, the 25,000, have a problem. We, the church, have a problem. We together have a problem, and everyone in this church is going to own the problem. Everyone in this congregation is going to feel the weight. The Greeks and the Hebrews are going to feel the weight of this problem together because it's our problem. It's not half your problem. It's not half your problem. It's our problem together in Christ. And if we can accept that, we can work together for the glory of God. The kingdom of God is built by everyone working together, not a select few. And then they chose leaders that met three qualifications in Scripture, just three. They were trusted by all the people. That's a high calling with 25,000 people. They were spirit-filled, meaning they had given their life and their heart to Christ. And when people met them, they recognized this person is not like the world. This person looks like Jesus. Thirdly, they were full of God's wisdom. They recognized that these people that they were looking for were ones that said, I don't have wisdom. Wisdom only comes from God. But I know that if I ask, God will grant it to me. And they recognized their desire for God's wisdom, not fleshly responses. Trusted, spirit-filled, full of God's wisdom. And then they chose from the congregation those seven um, to restore what was broken and to seek you to need. Would any one of you want to be those seven? Just real honestly, would any one of you want to be elected to deal with the fact that there is a racial divide in the congregation? Would any of you want to deal with 25,000 people 
half on one camp and half on the other, and you're seven going against all of anybody? Nobody? Yeah, yeah, me neither, right? That's a big task. But seven people were selected by the congregation to tackle this problem, to restore what was broken, to seek unity. And you want to know what is so cool about this? What is super cool? And you miss it every time you read this passage because it doesn't say it explicitly. You have to understand the words within the context. All seven of the folks that were elected, all seven of them, were Greek Jews. You want to know why? The Hebrew church said, listen, we, we, we recognize we've done wrong. It wasn't intentional. We've made mistakes. We're going to elect and we're going to trust the party we have injured to lead us. And we're going to place the entire bowl and basket program for the widows in the hands of the Greek Jews. And they will take care of their population because we've neglected them. But we trust that they will take care of our Hebrew widows too. We completely trust that they will oversee the program with great righteousness for all. I think that's huge. Is that not huge? That doesn't happen in today's society, does it? Like in our political parties and in our world, the, the party that is wounded is not the one that gets lifted up and put over everybody else. This is a great way for the church to say, man, we... We messed up, but the glory of God will abound, and we will trust that these leaders we have elected will be so filled with the Holy Spirit that they will take leadership as a mantle from Christ, not to harm the Hebrew Jews, but instead to lift up the entire body of Christ together. This was a demonstration of trust and commitment within the body, and the Magnificent Seven said, we got this. We can do this. And do you want to know what they did? Because in the rest of the New Testament, you never hear of that problem ever again. Because those magnificent seven who were full of wisdom and were trusted by the congregation, they knocked that problem out of the park. It was gone. Now, not to say there weren't other problems in the church, because the church that grows continues to struggle. But that specific problem that was brought to us in the scriptures was taken care of because they followed God's will for the church. I think that is absolutely amazing. And then here is what happened. They elected those seven. And they set them before the 12 apostles, and the 12 apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. And then the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now here's the real, I mean, this is just so cool. The choice of the congregation was blessed by the twelve through the laying on of hands, okay? Anointing them for frontline kingdom service in a racially charged, difficult environment. A growing church. And that problem, that widow problem, was taken care of in a God-honoring way. The section of scripture exists for us because God wants us to see as the church is being built... There are many ways for people to serve. Some people are called to preach the word of God, and I am one of them. So help me, I can do no other. There is nothing else on earth that I can think of that fulfills me in such a way as doing my calling, preaching the word of God. I live and breathe it. And if I'm gone from the pulpit for more than two Sundays, 
feel like something's missing in my life because this is what God made me to do. But the church, if it was just dependent upon me, needs would not be met. People would not be cared for. Sick would not be visited. People would not get fed. Cars would not get fixed. Light bulbs would not get changed. Math would not be done, right? (laughs) Let's just be honest. It's not going to happen if it's me. Um, So some are called to preach. Others are elected from the body, by the body, saying, hey, we recognize that there are people among us that are trustworthy and full of the Spirit and have the wisdom of God. And they, they aren't going to do all the work, right? Seven people over 25,000. I guarantee you those seven people didn't do all the work. I guarantee you those were seven leaders who drew among them a population of people to solve the problems and to exercise the work of the church, utilizing the entire congregation's gifts and passions and skills and knowledge and excitement and all that is in the congregation to solve the problem. Because it's not just like the leader's problem, it's the church's problem, right? Anytime the church has a problem, the church has a problem, and it depends on every single Christian to serve. And then God blessed this with the visible increase of disciples, including the salvation of many priests in the temple. So God blesses this kind of thing. The finding of the leaders from the people, praying over them and saying, now we're going to get behind them. We're not going to just say there are leaders and step back. We're going to say there are leaders. I'm going to step in, put my hands on their back. In fact, I'm going to help them go where they're going because they're doing this for the glory of God and the good of the church in Ketchikan, right? Because this is our little corner of the kingdom of God. So what about us, right? Um, We aren't much different, right? If we recognize our church is growing, we're moving to two services, right? The Lord is adding to our number day by day those who are being saved, and we pray that more and more will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And beyond that, we pray that those who have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ would wholly give their heart over to Christ so that they wouldn't just be saved from their sins, but that they would see there is a holy way of life that is possible through the sanctification of Jesus. We think that that is so important. And then those people who are sanctified by the blood of Jesus can then go and do good ministry work. And today, um, our church membership has done exactly what we read. Our church membership has gone through the process that we have of nominating and electing church leaders for the coming year. These are church leaders that people have said, They're trustworthy, full of wisdom. They're spirit-filled. Now, what a thing I love about this is nowhere does it say they're perfect, right? And I like that for me specifically because as a leader, as a pastor, I'm not perfect, right? But I am blessed to serve God faithfully. And the leaders that you have chosen, I don't know who they are yet, but we'll find out. You just want to walk that to me. That way I can have it in my hand. Everybody give it up for Diane. She makes my job so much easier. Uh, um, so these, uh, these folks that we have elected, they are going to be called the church board for the coming year. 
And they are the eight, if I remember correctly, that will serve by leading. As a congregation, your job is to get behind them. As a congregation, your job is to fall in line with the leaders and to say, man, I see where we're going as a church because we're all going one direction. Man, I, I know that I can participate in this way or I've got this skill or I've got this ability. I can't wait to dive in and solve the problems that are going to come up before us because I guarantee you, as we grow, there will be problems. But problems don't have to be a bad thing. Problems are an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed and to show the world out there that there's a different way. That tensions don't have to divide us, but we can look at one another and love one another and we can serve together and we can, we can see the kingdom of God realized here on earth. So they will be elected not to do the work, but to lead us to do the work. Does that make sense? Right? Right? Okay, just checking. I want to make sure. Okay. So the work of the church technically falls to you all. And um, in, in our denomination, the Nazarene Church, uh, our state of Alaska is a district, okay? And there's lots of districts across the United States and then regions across the globe. And that's how we are organized. And I say that only to say that our district has a mission statement, like our church does. We exist to love Jesus, serve people, build community here at Ketchikan Church in the Nazarene, and I love that. And we are part of a bigger version of our district. And our district has the idea of this. Every pastor is a missional pastor. Every church is a missional church. And every Christian is a missionary, right? Because we must recognize we're part of something larger. But our part matters, and what we do matters, and the way we serve matters, and the way we give matters, and the way we love matters, and all of that matters. And if we all do that, God will be glorified, and he will bless, and he will increase, not for our sake, but for his sake, the kingdom of God. This is what pleases God, that each one of us would work under the headship of Christ, because he's the pastor of this church. And then he appoints leaders, teachers, and you are a priesthood of believers. You are lay ministers. You do the work of Jesus faithfully, and that should be exciting. Because every single one of you has a significant role to play in the kingdom of God being realized here in Ketchikan. And so if you're not yet participating, guess what? You can. There are so many ways that you can participate, especially as we add two services. This is my shameless plug. Do you know that we need more people to serve with two services? We, we need people in the computer booth, right? Right? We could love people. We need people to do this. We need people to... Um, love children and we want people to greet at the doorway and we want people to sing on the worship team and we want people to i don't know empty the trash in between services do you know that's a thing that has to get done and so like if you don't know now you know and if you have the ability to empty a trash can you have a place in god's kingdom right <laughs> and if you can smile at people would love for you to stand at the front door. If you can't smile at people, there are other places you can serve. There is a place for everybody in the kingdom of God, right? Right? Right. Right. Okay, so I covered up my, my sheet here. I'm going to take a peek at this. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a worship song. And then I am going to call forward our newly elected leaders. And we're going to pray over them. And we're going to do exactly what God's word tells us to do. To bless them, to anoint them, to protect them for the leadership that they have been called for for this season of life. And then we will end with a rousing song to send us out and go do the work of the kingdom of God. Lord, we give you glory and honor 
and praise. You are a great leader. You are the best leader. You are the only leader that we will choose to follow in this life. You are the head of the church. And we will go where you lead us. We will do what you tell us. And we will serve the way you have crafted us to serve. We pray that as we worship you right now, that you would help us fall in line with your word. That we would see the ways in which you're calling us to live that maybe we don't quite match. But Lord, that's not a problem for you. You died on the cross for our sins to redeem us and make us holy, to preserve for yourself a people of righteousness. Lord, would you do work in our lives as we worship you now? Give you all the glory and the honor. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.